0: Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org.
1: I want to start off with a a question, a very poignant question. Uh, And that is this. What is the Christian response to darkness and danger? What is the Christian response to darkness and danger? One of the things that we see here with our character today, John the Baptist, is we do not run from, but we rather rather run to dark places as witnesses of the light. I want to show you a video, it came by my way of, a, of, a, of an off-duty officer, I think it's in Sacramento, um, there was an explosion, and uh, he w- did something heroic. You know, d- did what we all hoped that we would do in, in that situation. But I want to show it to you. But I just don't want you to pay attention to the action part. I want you to pay attention to uh, the newscaster, the news anchors, uh, before and after. Let me show this to you, and I'll come back up.
2: Stockton police officer is being called a hero. He wasn't working Saturday night when a fiery crash happened right in front of him.
3: But that didn't matter. His training kicked in and he risked his life to save two strangers.
2: I heard a grinding sound off to the right and I looked over and I saw a car flipping over and sliding on its roof and then the second car was sliding the opposite direction into a pole and then just fully engulfed in flames. So I realized that we have to go there to help them because there was nobody else around. Um, The only thing that I could think of was there's people in that car. I got to help them get out. I can't let them, you know, burn in that car. This is something that's just part of me to help somebody out, especially in something like this where um, I'm the only one there. There's nobody else to help them. You know, I'm not fighting through people to go help this person. I'm the only one there. Well, Officer Afonasev says that he is amazed that nobody died in that wreck. You can see how serious it was. And although the driver and the passenger's burns appear to be serious, uh, looks like they're survivable, and it's just amazing to watch this man run right into the
1: flames. Yeah. Incredible. Two things. One, he, he ran right into the flames, but what I love in the beginning is, here's what she said. She said, his training kicked in. His training kicked in. When, when faced with danger, when faced with uh, a dark, darkness, um, our training is supposed to kick in. And we run not from trouble. We run to trouble. We don't run... From darkness, we run to darkness because of our training. Um, Our training is looking to Jesus. One of the ways that we are those who run to dark places is that we have confidence in who Jesus is. We have confidence in the light and we have confidence that he is with us. Uh, we all wanna imagine ourselves you know, being the hero, I know I do, and, and it's probably no wonder that you know, Marvel movies, I mean, they are like, man, they just, it's like a guaranteed box office because you know, Marvel movie comes out, it's the hero, and we long to be the hero. And, but we're faced with situations every day and faced with big life decisions, based, faced with little life decisions, and we have this opportunity to be a light. Sometimes those, those situations seem dark, they seem threatening to us, uh, but our training is supposed to kick in. And we don't run from the dark places, we run to the dark places. So we have to have confidence in who Jesus is. And John, right out of the gate, this is not John the Baptist writing. By the way, there are two Johns uh, being mentioned here. And, and John is the, the disciple of Jesus. He wrote this. He just comes out and says, this is who Jesus is, this is when, G- when Jesus is, and this is uh, what he's all about. And what we see here is that John, as opposed to the other gospels, the other gospels, you know, go through genealogy and they and they describe Jesus as a baby, but G, but John starts and says, "No, Jesus is the Word," and the and and the Word in the Old Testament always related to uh, God sending forth something to accomplish a pers- a purpose and then it coming back. So so with Jesus, you know, he sent forth Jesus as his Word as for a purpose, and then it, Jesus was going to return back to him. And what he was communicating is: this is what I am like. I am communicating with my son. This is what a, what I am like. You want to know God's heart? What does He love? What does He hate? What does He, what does he value? What is He bothered by? We look to the Son as our inaudible thoughts, as our words communicate our, what's in our brain, what's in our inaudible thoughts. So, like. You know, I can't guess what you're thinking. You have to tell me what you're thinking. Um, Jesus is the invisible God. Uh, in wanting to communicate what I am like, he says, Here, here's my son. Here's Jesus. He's, in fact, Jesus said that, didn't he? He says, they're like, we show us the Father, show us the Father, show us God. Well, if you've seen me, you, you've seen God. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, long ago, as many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That it's, it's all about Jesus. And so God says, here is, here is my son, Jesus. This is what I am like. Look to him. He is, he is the light. He is, he is everything. And then he says, okay, here's the Bible. Here's the scriptures. And they all are about Jesus. So that's really important. I don't want to lose anybody here, Uh, But what we look to ultimately actually isn't even the Bible in and of itself. We look to Jesus. It's all about elevating who he is. So in fact, Jesus even said this to the the Pharisees who are using the scriptures to prove a point, to using the scriptures uh, to manipulate people. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness. There's that word witness about me. So you should be reading the Bible and man, just your love for Jesus and your passion for Jesus and my life in Jesus. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. Because that's what the scriptures are doing. If you would read them from Genesis to Revelation, they are just shouting. They are just shouting, Jesus, Jesus. And then he says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is huge. This is important for us to understand because then it says in verse six, there was a man sent from God. There's that word sent. So he sent, there was a purpose in sending John. So there's a purpose in sending his son. There's a purpose in, in the scriptures pointing back to the son that points back to who God is. And then there's a purpose for sending John. John the Baptist. Whose name was John. He came as a witness. To bear witness about what? The light, Jesus, pointing back to him. This is all about Jesus. This is all about him that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John the Baptist was not the light. We're not the light. It's not about our lives. But he came to bear witness about the light. He he meant to live a life that was always pointing back to Jesus. Always pointing back to Jesus. God, the Father, says, I want to show you what I'm like. Here's my son. Scriptures here, they all point to Jesus. And then our lives point to Jesus as sent ones, intentionally, intentionally. There's a lot of intentionality. So that's why we, you know, we talk about this a lot. We want to help all people know God. Find family community is important. To know their purpose and make a difference. To live sent. To live on mission. You might, you might heard that word thrown around. Or even to, live, to be an apostolic community. Apostolic means to be sent one. To be sent. To live with the sentness. And that's the way John the Baptist was. To bear witness about the light. To make everything about Jesus. And then it says, I love that when, it, when he says, um, and then the light shines in the darkness, light shines through us, and the darkness has not overcome us. So we, we are to bear witness about the light. How do we do that? Well, we, we stand in dark places. We, we go to where there's trouble. We go to where there's difficulty. We go to, to, to neighborhoods, and we go to workplaces, and we go to, uh, into governments, and we go to all these different places. And... We don't run from those places because we have something in us. We have confidence in Jesus. And as we grow in him and and read his word and getting caught up in Jesus and we come together in moments like this and encourage each other and point to Jesus and lies gathering together all reflecting who Jesus is and encouraging each other who Jesus is and, and it's based upon our confidence in him. What's that verse? Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Confidence in, in him to be light. And I want to show you a story. This is, this is another video I'm going to show you. This is about 16 minutes long. If I had popcorn, I'd give it to you. Sorry about that. It's just so inconsiderate of me. But I sat down this week with uh, four individuals from the church, about those who have lived intentionally and gone to, in, in terms of where they live, in terms of where they work, and how they spend retirement, and all that kind of stuff, Living intentionally to be witnesses, and I want to show you their story, and I'll come back up. Where we want to talk about John the Baptist and his role and being a witness to the light, and really exemplifies, you know, just our call as Christians. And I think specifically that this idea that that as Christians we don't run from darkness, we run to darkness. And you guys all have. Uh, unique stories, but all point, I think, to just intentionality about running to the darkness. And with you, Elijah and Anna, it's about where you live. You live in Gradway Park. It's known for crime. It's known for uh, bad schools, you know, all the things that you look for in a house. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, but so, so it's unique. So tell us, like, what, why did you do that? Why do you live where you live?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it started for us in, like, 2012. I mean, we were married in 2011 really felt a foundation for our our marriage was to seek first the kingdom of God, like in Matthew 6, uh, where where Jesus talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. And um, we felt that. And I think in in 2012, we started reading a book called The the Cross and the Switchblade, which is essentially like a small town pastor going into New York City and ministering to people uh, in gangs uh, in dark places and seeing really revival. Mm. Um, and that really struck a chord, I think, with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think God began to do something in us, both from small towns, living in the city now, mm-hmm. and just really feeling the call to really go to those types of places, to dark places where uh, people need Jesus. Yeah, um, And so I think that's kind of mm-hmm. how it started for us.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think it was just like a... There was an attitude in us of like, let's just see what God could do. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So for you, Michaela, it's it's about where you work. Uh, you work for an organization called Healing Action. Can you just tell us a little bit about uh, the people that you serve mm-hmm. as well as what compelled you to to want to work there?
3: Absolutely. Um, so, Healing Action, um, we provide services to survivors of sex trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation, so we do case management, trauma therapy, and help out with basic needs and a bunch of other services. So, um, initially, what got me drawn towards working with this population was I was in college and I heard a speaker um, talk about human trafficking and sex trafficking, and it really struck a chord with me. Uh, I'd never heard of it before. Um, and it just sat with me, sat with me all through college. Um, I didn't really know what to do with that because especially at that time in the United States, was it happening in the United States? People only thought it was happening, interne- happening internationally. And so um, just kind of sat with me through college until I got um, in, into my first job. It was at a really, really um, well-paying job, a lot of advancement opportunities and God was like, you know, this isn't it. Mm. And I was really unsettled, um, in my position there and, um, was offered a promotion was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back at, uh, to school for social work. And everyone was like, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. sure. <laughs> um, but that's how I ended up, um, getting to healing action.
1: Yeah. So for you guys, I mean, in both scenarios, uh, like you know, it, it, there's a sense to where like it's it's a high ideal thing that you're doing. as kind of in a sense you know this romantic idea we're going to go and you know save the world. When when would tell us the moment like when it became real? Like oh wow, this is this is hard. Yeah. I mean, you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was fairly fairly quick.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think for us, um, I mean, we moved into our neighborhood in 2017. Yeah. And uh, I think it was. May? It was like,
0: yeah, like spring of yeah. the following year. pretty sure it was my
2: birthday, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 2018, <laughs> the next yeah, year. We, my, my family, we went out uh, with our kids and to go do some fun things around the city. Yeah, it
0: was like the middle of the day. We yeah. were gone
2: for like two hours. Uh, and we, we didn't set our alarm. It was just like, we're just going out real quick. And uh, we get back from kind of having a fun day. And I mean, our house was broken into probably $3,000 worth of stuff is stolen. Um, and it, you know, you feel somewhat, like, violated. I mean, it's like these feelings of, like, oh, man, someone was here ah, that I didn't know was here. Um, and so I think that that happened, and then... Two months later,
0: yeah. Elijah was getting up to, like, go lead worship at church, and he's like, our car is gone. Mm. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was our car with all of our, like, our stroller and our car seats and all of that, and it was just gone, so... So yeah, I mean that was like, oh my word, this is real and this is not like easy to deal with
1: necessarily. Yeah. How would you answer that, Michaela?
3: It was very got very dark very quickly, I think, when I um, started working um, with Healing Action, I was working with survivors directly and um you know, hearing their stories and, um, getting to know them. It's not just a nameless, faceless victim anymore. Mm -hmm. It's people that, you know, and you love and you Mm -hmm. care about. Um, and so for me, it was, you know, when you hear someone go through something like that, you want to be, oh my gosh, here's this mansion. Here's Mm -hmm. this, all the food you could ever want, everything that you ever need. Um, let's make sure you're taken care of. And unfortunately the world isn't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, more of what I saw was, um, sorry, you have to live in this area where you might be re-victimized. Oh my or, um, hey, you don't match the skin color of what we think a victim looks like, so we're gonna put you in jail because we think you're a criminal instead. Um, or your mental health needs are so great that we can't serve you, sorry. Um, so after seeing those things, it was um, really hard for me to to grasp the goodness of God and um that darkness came and my response was okay well then I'm gonna do it like I'm gonna help them find a house I'm gonna um you know serve them and that never ends well when you try to be God and try to um take that responsibility on
1: yeah Mm -hmm. so so what I mean what sustains you guys in that I mean just you're experiencing this difficulty and and challenging what sustains you you know Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. I've been thinking about this verse a lot from Hebrews 10 and it's like the early Christians and they're They're like recounting the things that have sort of gone wrong and it says that they joyfully accepted the plundering of their possessions Mm -hmm. and Because they had a greater possession Mm -hmm. and so I think like that is what has sustained us. Is like our material things can be taken. It, does, it doesn't matter. Like our inheritance is in heaven. We have a greater possession and, mm-hmm. in a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that's what sustains mm-hmm. us and carries us through those, yeah. those hard things.
2: Yeah, and I think when we've experienced those moments, I don't think we ever, there's never been a moment when things like that have happened to us in our neighborhood that we felt like this. Such intense fear. I think it's because, yeah. I think it's because God let us led there yeah. that we, it just experienced a, a, a freedom to uh, trust Him and yeah. and you know there's a, a 15th century Romanian pastor that has there's this quote that's like Christians are like nails the harder you hit them the deeper they go mm. and I think so when we've experienced things like that. I think it only has drawn us closer to Jesus. Yes. It hasn't pulled us away from Him. Yeah. And so I think when we've gone into this mm. in our neighborhood, it's, it's only drawn us closer to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think it's too, like, the safest place to be is yeah. is with God and where mm. he wants you to be. And yeah. so it's like, it, it seems like, man, that's stupid We're, considering where you live. Right. like yeah. That's not a safe place. Yeah. Your yeah. kids can't just go outside, you know? Right. But it's like, but we feel safe. Like, we yeah. feel safe in God and we know that he's mm. called us there, Yeah, you know?
1: So John, you, um, your call is different, uh, but I think equally as powerful in terms of just really living intentionally, wanting to, to bring the light and be a witness to the light of Jesus. And so yours has to do with the move and all kinds of changes. So just maybe explain um, your story and how you got to Sunset Hills.
4: Well, uh, I was heavily involved in getting this building built. Part of that is getting permission. And so we went to the board of aldermen for the city of Sunset Hills. And when we finally, after two other tries, that yeah. failed, got our permission approval. Yeah. I'm sitting in the aldermanic meeting for the city and I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to sell your house, mm. move to Sunset Hills, and serve the community there. Mm. Now, you interpret words from God in certain ways, and because they were making appointments to boards and commissions, I thought it was to be involved in city government. But, you know, I wasn't making that yeah. you know, the ultimatum that I had to be involved in. When I hear God, I want to make sure it is God. I yeah. was pretty sure it was. Yeah. And um, I went home, spoke to my wife, and told her what God told me. And she went, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, But I have a great wife, and she prayed. And so we started getting ready to sell the house and move to somewhere in Sunset Hills. The realtor that we- Sold us our house. He happened to be on the board of aldermen yeah. <laughs> of oh, the wow. city. I shared with him what yeah. God told me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he probably looked at me cross-eyed a little yeah. bit. I yeah. don't know. But it's basically anybody that asks me yeah. about why are you doing this, I told them the story. Yeah. You know, which I don't know if I'm as bold as you guys are to do what you do. But sometimes you have to be bold to say, God told me this yeah, that's good. <laughs> in our society today. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy sell. Yeah. People look at you a little weird sometimes. Yeah. So became involved in the uh, Crestwood Sunset Hills Rotary Club. Uh, that's how I met uh, a new Alder woman. She became a member and she was running for a seat. She was the one that actually, when an opening came up on the uh, Board of Adjustment for the city, sent me a volunteer form, which I filled out and turned it into the mm. city. So, of course, I told her the story mm. <laughs> about yeah. what God has spoken to. Yeah. About. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, that uh, ended up being an uh, application. The mayor of Sunset Hills, who we'd met during the Aldermanic approval meetings, um, recommended me. And uh, about a month ago, I was appointed to yeah. the Board of Adjustment for the City of Sunset Hills. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's just amazing. Wow. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And of course, the mayor came for a tour. I'd invited her to the grand opening. She mm-hmm. brought three of her staff the mm-hmm. chief police, uh, the public works director. Wow. and the parks director. Yeah, and uh, she asked me if after the tour, I said, John, you filled out an application, a volunteer form. And yeah. So I told her and the three right. members of uh, wow. the city the same story. Mm. And God spoke to me, and this is what I'm here mm. to do. That's wow. That's yeah. so just get all yeah. sorts of opportunities. Yeah. All, I never hesitate to yeah. share the story of what right. God said to me. Anybody asks about it.
1: That's awesome. So God's opened up a door with, you know, with Rotary and actually we meet here now and you'll be the president of the Rotary soon and open up doors with the the city government um, all because of this word that you felt. So you moved your house. All these things happen. That's awesome. What about you guys? Where have you seen like the, you know, we talked earlier about some of the challenges, but where where have you seen kind of the light break through?
0: Well, I think... It's kind of looked different than I had expected, kind of like what you were saying, John. but it uh, I think with our neighbors, there was a moment a couple summers ago, my neighbor does not speak the same language as us, but she was going through a personal crisis in like before she called her family or anybody, she uh. came knocking on our door. Mm. just she knew we were a safe place um, and i've had three or four instances of going on my on, on walks with the kids around the neighborhood and people just stopping us who are in the, in the middle of something really horrible and they say, can I talk to you? And just like taking that time to listen and then having the opportunity to pray for them. Um, and yeah, just, you know, there's people at the bus stop across the street who know to come to our door for a bottle of water if mm-hmm. they need it. And so I think it's just, you know, yeah, we've seen the light coming in, in those small moments of trying to have flexibility in our schedule, trying to say yes to people when they come. Yeah. So,
2: and I think even just making the move to our neighborhood, um, really began to, to God began to speak to us specifically about foster care. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, we're foster parents and Mm. I mean, there are, there are hard moments, but there's also some amazing moments. And, um, just even through foster care and, and taking care of children um, we've been able to build relationships with parents mm. um, uh, mm-hmm. and care for their kids when they need us to and then to see them like coming to Jubilee being a part of our community mm-hmm. um, is such a, such a great blessing because mm-hmm. it's like man we're able to care for your kid but yet you're, you're coming in and, and experiencing community
1: yeah awesome
3: yeah, I've seen, um, I mean, God working like crazy. Um, for me, it was, uh, a shift, like Anna said, like not exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, you know, felt this big call in my life to work directly with survivors, um, and was told very clearly by God that that wasn't what he had for me. Um, and so initially it was kind of struggling, like, why would you lead me here, God? Why would you put me here if I'm not supposed to do this? But, um, was struggling with some of my own things and um, made the shift to a development role in the organization and um, was trusting God, but was like, not really sure what you can do through me here, God. I heard his voice very clearly. Mm. "Um, You're not the light, Michaela, I am. Mm. And um, like, do you think I can, you can limit what I can do? And um, from then on, it was just, Okay, God, like I love your people. I love you. I trust you. I will do whatever you want me to do wherever you want me to do it. And, um, so now serving kind of um, in the background of the organization, still getting to love on the survivors that we serve, but um, have seen some really amazing things happen, mm-hmm. like little wins of um, someone getting their first keys to their apartment. Wow, or, yes. Um, getting a job that they really, really wanted, mm-hmm. um, getting reunified with their kiddo, um, mm-hmm. just really, really exciting things mm-hmm. um, happening. But just knowing that for me it was... Um, I'm a conduit of God's light, yeah. but I'm not the light. <laughs> right. so I'm, I'm to point back to him yeah. and just to be a reflection. So,
1: yeah. Well, man, that, that is, uh, I mean, we could go on and on, but that's a great place to start because that's really where we're at. Like we're J- John the Baptist. And what I love about all your stories is this, you know, we're not the light, it's Jesus. And, and living the kind of lives um, that like John eventually said later on, he said, no, I must decrease so that he, Jesus must increase. And, and that's what it's about being a witness is lowering yourself, uh, setting aside your ambitions, your dreams, uh, what you think is best and really letting God use you. And I just thank you so much, uh, each and every one of you for, for being a provocation to us all to, to taking the words of Jesus uh, seriously. And, and running into these dark places, obeying Him and, and being His light. So thank you for that. The key to making your life count and really receiving the training that leads to a life that doesn't run from darkness, but but to darkness, it is that verse. It is that saying of John the Baptist that he must increase, but I must decrease. That's the training. The training is this life that I live. I live for him and by him and through him. He's my safe place. I love what the Stanley's brought out, that, that we don't feel unsafe. He's, he's our safe place. The safest place to be is, is with him. That's, that's what I'm up to and, and Michaela and, and John pointing out, it's not about me. It's not about what I do and my imagination. And I'm the one who's the hero, but it's, it's being available It's making your life available for him to use you, which again, comes back to our training. Our training is he must increase, but I must, de- and, but I must decrease. So what does that look like for you in your life? What does that look like for you in your, in your job, in your finances, in your relationships? Somebody asked me once, how do I be a witness at work? Do I need to stand up for what is true? And, and I said, no, I th- what people need to see is that Jesus is the most important thing in your life. So don't not, not your love for the Cardinals, not your love for comfort or money, not our desire or opinions on this or that, but Jesus is really weighty in my life. That He's the reason I make this decision. He's the reason why I do A, why I do B, why I do C. And in, in Acts 4, it doesn't take brilliance of thoughts. One of my favorite verses, the, the New Testament, um, believe that what we see in the early church and in the New Testament, the early Christians, they had like one sermon. Their sermon was. Jesus rose from the dead. He, he's everything he says he is. And you can know him and receive him. And this is what they observed. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men. You don't have to be. Sometimes when we think about being the person who who, who runs into into dark places, he runs into trouble, we, we think of those who are, you know, superhero type people, they're just common men, but they were astonished, and they recognized they've been with Jesus. Our training is he must increase. But we must decrease we have those opportunities, we have those opportunities in simple ways in inviting and inviting and saying this is what my life is about. And God wants to use us. Uh, even in those places where we are afraid. Because, as the, the, the apostles would once say, that, that greater is He that is in me, and He's in the world. Why don't we stand? I want to pray for us. If you're new to all this, I do want to invite you to our growth track. It's the first Sunday of every month, it'll be January before this one comes around. But we want to help people um, know how to live this life out that, that God has called us to. It's simple, really, really simple, actually but it's hard. It's hard because again, we must decrease. That's why it's hard. So I'm just going to pray for us and pray a, a, just a word of a blessing over us as individuals and us as a community together. God, I thank you that you didn't just give us words on a stone, on a tablet, on a piece of paper, but you gave us yourself. So we celebrate and rehearse the Christmas story, we celebrate the moment when the internal God entered our time-space world to show us what you're like. Your word reflects the, the glory of your Son. And we want to live lives that reflect Jesus. So we, we want to be those that don't run from dark places, but run to dark places, knowing that you are the true light, that you are the hope of the world, that you've entered our darkness. John the Baptist isn't the hero. We're not the hero. Jesus, you're the hero. You lived a perfect life. You were nailed on that cross for us, for our sin, says of Jesus that he became nothing. He emptied himself for you and I. He showed us the pathway to greatness. It wasn't in how high he ascended, but in how low he descended. That's our greatness. Our greatness will be defined not by how much we increase, how much we increase our bank accounts, how much we increase our ambitions, our relationships, our likes, our status, but our greatness in this life will be defined and how much we decrease to be conduits for the true light that is Jesus.